Hello everybody, welcome to another Big Game Indicating Dogs Q&A. You guys know how these work, this is Big Game Indicating Dogs, Dare Dog Training Blueprint questions from the Big Game Indicating Dogs Inner Circle. These are questions from people who are following the Dare Dog Training Blueprint. The Dare Dog Training Blueprint is a video series where I trained, where I filmed, I filmed it, filmed everything I did to train my own dog. You can find out more about that at biggameindicatingdogs.com and you can check us out at Big Game Indicating Dogs on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube. There's a couple of pretty semi-low-key serious ones here, guys. Remember, in these Q&As, I give the answers that I think everyone needs to hear, not only the people that are asking these questions, but everyone listening to, including people that aren't even following the blueprint. Remember, these go up on our podcast. You can listen to them on the Paul John Michaels podcast, and they go up on YouTube. They go up all over the place, and lots of people listen to them. So if I get a little bit serious, remember, these are directed at everyone listening. <clears throat> and some of these questions are actually great because they raise important points in my mind that I can talk about and get information out to people first question Chloe what boundaries do we put in place when playing with our six year old Vizsla Clover is now 14 weeks old so she's asking what boundaries do we put in place with our 14 week old Vizsla when she's playing with our six year old Vizsla my note on this is it's mainly common sense, but mainly barking, biting, and overstimulation. So it's a really good question because in the Dear Dog Training Blueprint, we talk about freedom sessions, letting pups spend time with older dogs, having a freedom session in the backyard in a safe dog-proof area, ideally where you can keep a little bit of an eye on them out the window. However, this, depending on the dog, depending on the pup, depending on the older dog, depending on the situation and the individual's personalities of the pups and dogs, you know, a, a, a pup and an older dog playing together can be anything from super low-key to super extreme pups. You know, I've seen it where the older dog can be too full-on and aggressive and if the, you know, doesn't let the pup do anything and there's there is risk of the older dog snapping at the younger dog and being too hard on it, which could be basically psychologically damaging to a young pup. You don't want an older dog dominating a younger pup too much. could lead to strange personality things later on with a pup. Um, and it's obviously just not ideal. At the, at the extreme, extreme end, it could end up with a pup getting hurt and actually quite seriously hurt. Uh, and I've seen at the other end when you've got a full-on boisterous pup and a super cruisy older dog and the pup's barking and biting the, the older dog and swinging off its neck and the older dog just puts up with it. And, and that can create an unbalanced dynamic and, and, you know, unhealthy social skills with the pup where it just thinks it's okay to run up to other dogs and bite them and bark and it can get out of hand. 
where the so so there's just this huge variation of potential situations and dynamics. But that's why I say it mainly comes down to common sense and the main things I would want to, as far as boundaries, what boundaries do we put in place? A, a couple of barks here and there is fine, but a little bit of playing off and on, even a little bit of playing and play fighting and rolling around is okay and getting a little bit stimulated and running around having fun is okay, but it's at what level? You know, a couple of barks here or there is fine and it's normal and you could say it's actually good. Same with the biting and running around, but it's when it turns into one dog's just sitting there doing nothing and the pup's just what, 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 barking for ages, I would want to calm that down. Or it's when the pup's just full on biting, going hard out for ages, I'd want to calm that down and cut that off at the pass too. And then... I'm always trying to calm super intense energy. Miko's one for it. The Miko uh, Vizsla heading dog cross that we trained in the Palmiko dog guide. You guys, if you've been following us on uh, Instagram or Facebook, following me at Paul John Michaels on Instagram or Facebook, you will have seen her. Um, she was the full opposite end of the spectrum on on print complete opposite and I, I chose her like that on purpose and she can get overstimulated if we're out at the park um, there's actually a, a really nice guy down here who often walks his dogs at, at a local spot and he's got two heading dogs actually one I think is a purebred heading dog maybe even a collie cross and the other is a heading dog huntaway cross big male dog he's about three or four and he's all go and super um, sort of jovial, boisterous, real character. And he sees us coming and he's running flat stick at us from 200 metres away and he's stoked running around in circles. Miko knows him now and Miko just instantly hits level 10 and just starts frantically running around like crazy around in circles and she's panting, her eyes are wide open and she's just instantly overstimulated. I pull all the rain, all that back right in straight away. I, I basically don't let my dogs, my dogs run and play all the time for like an hour every day. They run next to the e-bike, run around the park. Again, if you follow me, you've seen it in my stories and that the dog's running flat stick next to the bike. Um, they run around. I've just got a, a small, well, it's quite big for a concrete area, but I've just got a small backyard here. It's about oh, 20 metres long by about, six meters wide and most evenings print and miko have a little spares out in the backyard and they run up and down and they might bark three or four times each and run around but there's levels if 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 a dog laying down or plodding along staring at the ground in front of it is level one and like constantly barking with froth and drool flying out of their mouth and just like chasing tail is level 10. I don't like it getting past about a 7. You know, I really don't. Once a dog just 
they just completely losing it and barking and just going full on. If 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 you let a dog get there all the time and they build right up and get to that, they'll get there quicker and quicker, and you don't have any control of them in that space. It's I mean the human equivalent of that. I can't. <laughs> I'm trying to think, but to me the human equivalent of that is basically just complete psycho. As, as actually, I just thought of it. The human equivalent of that. Have you ever seen a mosh pit? <laughs> when people are in a mosh pit, and have you ever seen a slam circle in a mosh pit? A, a mosh pit is you know a, a, at a heavy metal live concert. And when people are just losing it in the front rows and a slam circle was when a circle opens up and people just run out into it, just head banging and helicopter arms and just level 10 for a human. That's level 10 for a human. I don't really like my dogs to be getting in that space regularly. <laughs> uh, I really don't. So, and, and it really can't, you, you really can put them in situations where they get there all the time and it becomes more of a part of their personality and they get there quicker and quicker and easier and easier and then they just do it all the time. Or you can try to keep them a, a lot calmer and um, try to nurture more a more calm and methodical and thoughtful and um, attentive sort of a nature from your dog. And you really can mould and change a dog as it grows in that way. I'm a 100% believer of that. One, if you could clone two dogs... One person can take it and train it well, give it good exercise, let it play, let it have that fun side, but also create a really good bond and 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 sort of teamwork atmosphere where you're always looking to the dog and the dog's always looking to, at you. And train it right and get that bond and keep it calm and methodical. And that and and someone else could take the other one and just hype it up and ramp it up and 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 not much control. And those dogs will have two completely different personalities and, and demeanors and sort of ways of being later on in life. Um, yeah, anyway, I'm rambling like crazy here, but that's some super important stuff, that. So that's it. I hope that makes sense. Um, a bit of playing's fine but there's levels to it and it's mainly common sense and, and I don't like it getting out of hand regularly for any sort of period of time. Uh, well, I'm going to train a speak up command on my GSP, Gus. At what age should I teach this and how should I teach it? I don't want it to ruin the dog and have him constantly barking when I don't say the command. I ideally want him never to bark unless I give the speak up command. Now here's some notes on this. So I asked Will why he wanted the speak up command and he said there's no reason. No reason. I want to teach my dog a speak up command. Not sure how to do it. Don't want it to ruin it. Ideally I want him to never bark. 
<laughs> Why do you want to do it? I don't know. No reason. And my further notes here are keep it simple. Don't make extra work for yourself. Mainly only do these add-on things once everything is done and you're hunting perfectly and you have absolutely nothing else to do. This is a big one. Patience and focus. So much of good dog training is patience and focusing on the end goal. Staying focused on the end goal. It's really important. Uh, you know, and and I've spoken about this a lot before. A common question is, how much training do I have to do? You know, people have seen watch the blueprint trailer or look at the the blueprint page and they were trying to work it out and they're reading all about it and all the different steps and everything they're like how how much training do I have to do like how I I haven't got that much time how much and you can do 90% of it in 10 to 15 minutes five days a week 10 to 15 minutes a day five days a week you don't even need to do it every single day and then you have longer sessions, and you have quite a bit of them. It's probably let, let's lean on the cautious side and say you can do seventy or eighty percent of it in five fifteen-minute sessions a week, and then that other twenty to thirty percent will be longer sessions on weekends or after work and daylight if you have it have the time in the summer. And there is plenty of sessions that that will take much longer where you have to do things like uh, introduction to gunfire, scent training, taking a dog out, introduction to water, obstacle work. But the vast majority of it can be done in 10 to 15 minutes a day. So if you've got a, a lifestyle where you've got a fair bit of time on your hands, most of it after that is all management. I've said this many a time too. So much of good dog training is about is not about what you do do, it's about what you don't do. And so much of it is just patience. And just put, you know, wake up, give your give your dog a toilet break, maybe a little freedom session, then back in the kennel for a while, go do a training session, come back back in the kennel, you've got to do something else. And it can come out for another freedom session. If you're lucky enough to have enough time, take it for another session. You can do 10 to 15-minute sessions a day. You can do a, a, a big, long session, 45 minutes if you want. But so much of it is just patience and just waiting, doing those 15, 20-minute sessions, the odd longer one, keeping it super calm, conservative, diligent, and patient, and just staying focused on that end goal. And it's so easy to get distracted and frustrated and trying to rush it, or I wonder if I do this or try this or do that. When it's, it's and I've said it before, it's a super nuanced thing, it can be, but it's actually fairly easy. As, much, as easy it is to get it wrong or have trouble or get super frustrated, 
it's actually fairly freaking easy too. And it doesn't take that much time. And sometimes with processes like that, the hardest thing is to just chill, stay focused on the end goal, and just do it. Another one from Will. Uh, what do you think about keeping the dog on a kennel and chain instead of a kennel and run? My notes on this is there's nothing wrong with it, but safety is important. So there's 100% nothing wrong with, um, you know, so a kennel and run is the, the dog box at the back and, and, a, and a good uh, wire mesh steel and mesh run with a wooden floor, classic kennel and run. Um, and the kennel and chain is just a box, a kennel with um, a chain tied to it very securely. Um, again, there's nothing wrong with the kennel and chain. And, and in fact, you know, um, as much as farmers and, and uh, you know, gun dog people and things like that do really traditionally like a kennel and run, man, there's plenty plenty of of you know full-on old school you know shepherds and farm farmers and that that have had dogs forever and lots of them that keep them on a chain kettle and chain it takes up less room it's cheaper uh, and there's nothing wrong with it but there's a few key things that you need to make sure that you get right a, a huge hazard the biggest hazard with a chain is choking so if you put a chain in the wrong spot where a dog can climb up over something but it can't reach the ground on the other side, the dog can hang itself. And and it's not impossible for some dogs to hang themselves on their own kennel. Whatever, you know, there's some dogs that don't do weird stuff like that, but there's always any an exception to the rule for any dog. I would never say that no, that dog would never climb up on that kennel you know, wrap the chain around the leg on one side, end up on top of the kennel one day, and then hop over the other side and hang itself. Um, a real classic design for this is a triangle kennel. It's just an A-frame. And, and another issue I've seen with, cha with chains and kennels is uh, different kennel boxes with legs so the box is up off the ground and the kennel has legs. If either the dog can fit under the kennel or dig, it, it could even be like a hundred, a tiny gap that the dog would never fit under. But if it's on dirt, not concrete, the dog can dig under and wrap the chain around the legs and things. So quite a traditional design for the, the kennel and chain setup as a triangle sitting with it with a thick floor sitting hard on the ground. Um, the dog can't climb up it, can't get on top of a steep A-frame, and it can't get under it, you know. Um, there's, there's other considerations to that, and, and you know, there's, there's lots of things with a kennel and chain, and there's lots of reasons why why a, a true kennel and run is so popular. Um, yeah, but as long as everything's bang on, they're fine, but there's a lot of considerations to it. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, Elliot, what do you think about the five minute per month exercise rule for puppies? 
I've been told about it, but when I Google it, I can't find it anywhere. I took my eight-month pup for a four- to five-hour hike the other day. Is that too much? So, and, uh, so this, I've shortened a lot of these down for this q and I, I write, I write these down in a Word document and take notes and get it all sorted. Um, <clears throat> but the five-minute-per-month rule for puppies that Elliot was talking about, he explained it further in his question where he said that someone said to him that there's uh, some, uh, some rule, apparently, and we'll talk about this further, that a puppy should only, if it's one month old, it should only have five minutes. If it's two months old, it should only have 10 minutes of exercise at a time. Three months old, it should only have 15 minutes of exercise at a time. So on and so forth. The five minute per month exercise rule for puppies. And then Elliot said, and he elaborated on this too, I've been told about it a couple of times, but when I Google it, I can't find it anywhere. So it's just some hearsay thing that some dude said you know, <laughs> that someone said sometime. Uh, but when you look it up, you can't find it anywhere. I've never heard of it. Um, and then he said, I took an eight-month-old pup for a four- to five-hour hike the other day. Is that too much? My note on this is patience, focus, stay on track. Keep your eye on the end goal and watch the Deer Dog Training Blueprint properly and watch what I do. It's all in there, man. And um, I mean, I don't want to, I definitely don't want to fob off any of these questions and I don't want to discourage anyone from asking any question. There's no silly question. <clears throat> You know, and everyone's learning here, but it comes back to that, you know, and we've had this talk in Q&As before where it's, it's let's not get all over the place with this and, and remember, you know, that these questions are really based on I'm trying this thing out of the Deer Dog Training Blueprint and I'm having this problem, how do I fix this? Once it turns into some guy told me this, I'm doing this thing that's not in the blueprint, what do you reckon about that? It just, uh, we can get all over the freaking place. Um, yeah. So the five minute rule, I've never heard of it, doesn't make sense to me. I'm not, I'm not even going to talk about it. And, and you know, all the guidelines and every, I mean, everything I do with print is in the blueprint, literally. And the, 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 the only real criticism, <laughs> the main criticism we've ever got on the blueprint is that uh, he goes on for too long because I explain everything. Just I show everything I do and then I talk about it all for ages. It's all in there. <clears throat> um. An eight month taking an eight month old pup for a four to five hour hike. Because then, on the other hand, this is actually an important topic too. Like, how much exercise? What do you do? 
What I can say is that, that if you do everything that's in the Deer Dog Training Blueprint, you're fine. You know, we start off slow and we slowly build it up. And as far as over-exercising, it's not really a thing in the blueprint because there's, it's, it's all close, it's all just walking. And we start off with 10 to 15 minute sessions. You know, we don't even go off the section for the first four weeks. Then once the pup's three, most of it we're actually holding the, the pup or dog back. They want to be doing more than what we're doing with them. So over-exercising isn't really a huge issue. Um, as far as a four to five hour hike, is that too much? That could be too much with the wrong, with a certain breed. But more importantly, it's the exact same with people, is that if I do nothing for nine months and then I go do a four or five hour hike, I'm probably going to be sore the next day. But if I do 10 or 15 minutes a day for a while, then I do a few, a couple of half hour ones, then I do a few two hour ones, and then and then um, I go do a four or five hour hike, it's sweet. A four or five hour hike is definitely too much for a three month old pup. A four or five hour hike isn't isn't definitely isn't too much for an eight month old pup that's been that's built up to it and it's fit and healthy. And as long as the hike isn't too extreme. Having said that, though, you can throw a pup or a dog in the deep end with a quote unquote hike. If you haven't done your obstacle work and your water work and all of that, and you're just like, hey, I'm taking my eight-month-old pup that I want to eventually use as a deer dog for a hike today, and all of a sudden it's freaking halfway up a log, falling off, getting a stick jammed up its bum, and next thing it's getting swept down around the corner in the river and just the shit's hitting the fan because you haven't built up to it. But if you'd followed the blueprint, you'd be good as gold because we go through all of that stuff step by step. So it's pretty. It's a pretty difficult question, man. It's all over the place, and 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 it's all. That's almost one of those things of. Um, sometimes the answer to some of these is just follow the blueprint. And if you're asking the questions in this, you've got it. So just hook in. Um. Another one from Elliot, my eight-month-old dog is very full-on in a narrow space like a footpath and other dogs come in the other way. I've tried all sorts to sort it out. What should I do? So this was another long question with lots of details that I shortened down for this Q&A. Again, it's way overthinking it and getting off track. Look very carefully at what I do in the blueprint and how I'm doing it and try to replic replicate that. Try to avoid the footpath. If you were doing something where you're really running into issues, the first thing to do is avoid that situation. So if you're walking your, your eight-month-old dog on the footpath and it's just going pear-shaped on you, put it in the car and drive it to the park, which is basically what we do on the blueprint anyway. I do show you walking straight out my gate and up the side of the road and into the paddock and all that sort of thing, but you've really got to use your own initiative and common sense on a lot of the stuff. And and that's why <clears throat> the principles are so important. Those principles that are in the Deer Dog Training Blueprint are designed for you to apply those to your given situation. Um, but to directly answer this question, 
Elliot, if, if the footpath is getting squirrely for you, I would avoid the footpath for now. Eight months old, you're still relatively young. Eight months is a pretty full-on age. Eight, nine months is pretty full-on. You've got a you've got a dog that's approaching that age where it's getting very mobile and strong and fit. It's gaining in confidence. So it's pulling down the footpath because it's like, what's around the next corner? Let's hook into this. Um, but it hasn't got any of those, it, it, it hasn't got much brains yet or skills or uh, focus and calmness, you know. Um, so a huge one for you, man, at the moment is just avoiding that footpath situation and try to get out in a nice, big, open, low distraction environment. Um, have a listen to the, the latest Palmico Q&A that went up at the same time as this. I have a big talk about the difference between footpaths and big open spaces and that. I have a big 10, 15 minute rant on it. Um, really important. Um, yeah. And Alec, you're talking about you were stopping and uh, turning the dog and walking the other way and doing all of this stuff. Um, it just seemed like a lot of overthinking and getting off track um, and and that's why I say like look very carefully at the blueprint what I'm doing how I'm doing it and try to replicate that so if you see me out in a big open space and everything's calm and chill and we're just working through those drills You've got to do whatever you can to try and get in a situation like that or as close as you can to that as possible, you know. So hopefully you can get that dog in a vehicle and drive it to a park or shorten the leash up, get it right next to you and walk it around the corner to the park and just try to get there. Whatever you can, man, you've really got to use your initiative on some of the stuff and just do the best you can to replicate what I'm doing in the blueprint. Uh, Amy, I have a 15-week-old heading bitch who has done really well with the come commands, kenneling and walking in front. However, she is a situational sitter, exclamation mark. She's a situational sitter, goddammit. <laughs> She will sit nicely in the backyard to get out of a kennel and in the vehicle and make good eye contact with me. But when I tell her to sit when we are away from home walking on the long line, she is essentially deaf and fixated on all the smells and movements around her. So get I'm just being silly, guys. I'm I've done a lot of these. I've got to I've got to um gotta be silly about it sometimes to entertain myself. So getting her to either listen to me or look at me, we are well off her agenda. Tugs on the long lines or movements by me to get her attention are futile at best. Any ideas greatly received, we're not really progressing. So my notes on this is that's all in the blueprint. You step in and gently push the pup's bum down. Also, the pup is super young, and at this stage, those things you're talking about are all the things you are working on at this stage anyway, and a 15-week-old pup shouldn't have them mastered yet anyway. 
This is super common, and we've had this a lot in previous Q&As. I had this problem with print, where his sit was niggly for ages, and I've talked about this in Q&As a lot. Print sit was niggly for ages. I like to just keep calm, step in, push his bum down, and be all distracted, looking all over the place, wanting to eat grass, wanting to pick up the leaf, and I just got to be up. Okay, good boy. No, sit down. And you've really just got to try and uh, patience, you know. You've really got to have extreme patience. And and just, re- it's a 15-week-old pup, you know. They're so young. I've spoken about this before, that a fully grown dog has the IQ of a three-year-old kid. The sm- that's a smart one. It's a smart dog as a three-year-old kid. So a 15-week-old pup is like, it's freaking miraculous that they can do anything at all. You know, so you really just got to be chill and and just help them as much as you can. I've got here, watch the blueprint very carefully and make sure you're getting everything bang on. It's super important and the subtleties of that and how calm I am, all my body language, and I'm just doing it over and over and just keeping it super chill. And most importantly, like I was just touched on it before, but most importantly, keep calm and relaxed and happy during training. Super important. If, if, if you can do that and just if the pup gets up, just up, you know, you can put pressure on, ah, no, and then as soon as they pause, as soon as step in, gently push their pup down, gently push their bum down, and as soon as they relax into a sit, good dog, and give them a pat, step back, move around, if they get back up, you step back in, push their bum down, as soon as they relax, give them a pat, step back, try to move, they stand back up, ah, sit them back down, Maybe every now and again, escalate just a touch. Ah, hey, sit. And then remember how we, the whole goal is to switch from pressure back to praise and super relaxed and all that pressure's got to come off. And any pressure we reply to a pup or dog is always trying to get it to the point where we can release all that pressure and say good pup and release it and carry on and keep it light and positive. And 15 weeks old, you are at the point where you want it to start coming on, but you're, you are at the, you're, you're sort of at the tail end of the period where, it, at, what I'm trying to say is at 15 weeks old, it is perfectly fine and acceptable that your pup doesn't have a perfect sit yet and that you're still doing that whole step in, step out, up, over and over, and it's it's almost um, frustratingly, well, it's frustrating, but you just got to grit, grit your teeth and bear it. But I, I would say, hope, ideally, you're not even gritting your teeth and bearing it, you're just enjoying working with your pup and dog, and it's almost funny that it's not getting it yet, and it goes to get up, and you're like, ah, sit back down, 
and then when they finally do relax and sit for like two seconds or one second, you take it as a win, give it a pat, step back. If you can get one or two seconds again, you release it, take 10 steps, stop and give it a big pat because it's your pup and you're training it and it should be fun. That's how that's how it should be, you know. Um, and 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 they they all come on at a different time. And we've spoken about this heaps in past Q and A's. Um, it's all there in a time code. If you type pup sitting or sit command or go through or uh, if you can't find it and you want to find them, let us know. We'll help you find them. If you put it up in the inner circle, there'll be people in there that tell will tell you where they are. You've got those clickable links on YouTube. You can go straight to the exact question. You can search it on biggameindicatingdogs.com. And that's it, guys. Thank you, everybody, that has signed up to the Blueprint and the Palmico Dog Guide. Thanks for all the questions. Thanks for everyone being super helpful in the inner circle. And we'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye.